Hi everyone, welcome to the fifth episode of Deep End Life After Uni. Today I have Cash joining me uh, and she's a lawyer. She's been a lawyer for the last one year and she's currently working at Herbert Smith Freehills. Yes, that's right. So Cash, could you please introduce yourself really quickly? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Cash Mira, but most people call me Cash. I am currently a solicitor at Herbert Smith Freehills. I started there as a grad in 2020 and then got admitted as a lawyer in November. So I've been a lawyer for a few months now, just under a year. And it's gone well. I'm currently still in the grad program doing my rotations, but in my final rotation and will officially settle in September. That tends to take up most of my time. But otherwise, outside of work, I kind of like to gym, hang out with friends, dance and do a lot of cool stuff. So that's my life. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> so first question, mm-hmm. uh, where did you study? Yep. So I did a Bachelor of Law and Bachelor of International Business at Medoc University. So it's t- it tends to be a two-year degree, but I did it in six. So mm-hmm. I extended my degree to do kind of a lot of extracurricular things. And that just meant that I couldn't do the full load or didn't want to anyways, um, all semester uh, for each semester. And I also did honors. So that took me up to six. So six years at Murdoch University. Oh, and why did you choose Murdoch University? Murdoch University has a pretty good reputation for law. So it's the second oldest law school apart from UWA, who's the oldest. So in 2013, which is when I was in year 12, I was looking at doing sort of uh, politics and something that was complementary to politics. Mm-hmm. And I thought, look, I had the grades for law. It's not really something that uh, I really thought about too much. I just thought, let me just give this a go. Um, and at that time, UWA had just changed their structure to law being a postgrad. Mm-hmm. And I thought, look, I really need to kind of try this out in my first year and see if I like it. So yeah. Murdoch was kind of the first choice. It also had a really good advocacy program. So mooting, which is kind of like a fake courtroom situation yeah. um, most law schools have a mooting program and Murdoch had a really strong mooting program so that's why I chose Murdoch oh, thanks so you're currently working at Herbert Smith Freehills which is a commercial company yes a commercial law firm sorry yeah why did you go into commercial yeah no that's that's a good question I I started law school thinking uh you know I might do criminal law it sounds really interesting and I guess at law school when you learn law, it's a very theoretical exercise in the sense that you kind of look at, you know, the kind of the, the philosophy behind different legal rules. And I thought in terms of actually tying that back to people and society, criminal law was just the most obvious choice. So I was like, oh, that's going to be really interesting. But as time kind of moved on, I did, um, I ended up getting a job at Legal Aid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so legal aid is it's a government organization that provides free legal services yep. to sort of disadvantaged people. And so I got the job. So I didn't actually do any legal work at legal aid. I was just on the one three hundred line. So like the first point of call that people call, they want to get free help. And that, that was a lot of family law, criminal law, a lot of sort of like small claims, neighborhood disputes, wills. Yep. And I think I just didn't really enjoy it. It was just, it was very emotionally taxing. I found that the hard part wasn't about the actual law. It was actually being able to sort of deal with the clients yeah. and, you know, relate to them and being able to kind of get information out of them and solve their problems quickly. And so, and then further out to my, towards the end of my degree, I kind of got more interested in business and the commercial aspect of thing. And I really, really liked contract law. 
And so I decided to do sort of commercial law. Did a few clerkships. So in my second last year, I did a lot of clerkships and commercial firms. And I really liked it. The work was super interesting. It it was really varied. Um, And I found that the people were really down to earth. It was, yeah, interesting work. I got a good sort of sense between the challenges that are, you know, accompanying my face legally, but then also kind of the commercial considerations when considering what the best legal route is and I thought that was really interesting and I knew that I think if I were to ever pivot away from law in the future I'd probably like to pivot away into a more commercial role Mm -hmm. so it made sense to do commercial law yeah Yeah. so you touched on a lot of the other different streams of law could you give a a deeper dive into the different streams that you can go down after studying law yeah Uh, yeah. um yeah so I mean so in commercial law there's a there's a variety of streams in in and of itself. So, yeah. for example, at Herbert Smith Freehills, it's a fully service firm, kind of like most of the top six firms. They're fully serviced in the sense that they provide commercial law expertise in a variety of practice areas. Mm-hmm. So, for example, employment law, M&A, finance, um, projects. Uh, what other practice areas have we got? We've also got disputes. So it's quite varied. And all those practice areas, like your main clients will be ASX listed companies. Yeah. Outside of commercial law, you can do criminal law. You mm-hmm. can go into family law. You can kind of even do commercial law, but for maybe smaller companies like startups. And so yeah. your your main expertise will kind of be advising on whether, you know, a partnership is the best structure or how to incorporate a company. Whereas those are the different Whereas if you were at a big firm, the commercial issues would obviously be slightly different for an ASX listed company. Okay, you might be, yeah. you know, helping a company IPO. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, there is sort of a, a huge variety. And then there's also things like, you know, aviation law. There's finance specified purely for mining companies mm-hmm. because, you know, based on what assets a company has, I think the finance structure or the finance deal might change quite a bit. So, yeah. you know, the finance law in, for example, Perth, Western Australia would be slightly different to the finance deal you might get in Dubai, yeah. for example. So mm. there's a lot of variety out there when it comes to law. Yeah. So when you were studying at Murdoch, did you guys actually touch on every single one of these streams? No, not at all. Uh, for every law school, there's kind of 11 subjects that every law school needs to offer. Mm-hmm. And these are the basic subjects. So it's like contract law, criminal law, corporations law, civil procedure, and if those words don't mean anything to you, it's basically just like different subject matters of law. So contract law is just a law of contract. How do you form a contract? What happens when you breach a contract? What remedies might be available to someone? Whereas corporations law is, you know, kind of the, a lot of the regulatory side. So the Corporations Act governs what the director's duties are, all that kind of stuff. So there's 11 different subjects of those that each law school needs to offer. Yep. And then on top of that, you can choose your electives. And your electives can be family law. It really depends on which law, yeah. uh, which law school you go to, and what they've got on offer. But um, certainly at Murdoch University, my you know I did a lot of electives that were kind of practical. So like internships or reading were electives I did. I also did like dispute resolution. Mm-hmm. But it's very rare that you'd get an elective that's sort of you know like banking and finance law or M&A law, like some universities do offer that, um, but that wasn't something I did. So it's completely different. And even, you know, for example, at at Murdoch, even though corporations law is offered at every university, it's it's one of those 11 subjects. In corporations law, you learn about the structure of one company. You learn about director's duties generally. Mm -hmm. In practice, your clients are companies 
that have like 20 subsidiaries. Yeah. So you're working with, you know, a lot of companies. It's a mm. lot, it's a lot different. It's a lot more complex, mm-hmm. but law school kind of gives you that base level knowledge that you need when you go into the real world. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier, uh, the streams at Herbert Smith Freehills. One of them was, was it employment law or yes. employee law? What? So, yeah. So what exactly is that? Um, so I haven't actually rotated through employment. So unfortunately I am not super well versed in exactly everything that they do, but employment law is one of those hybrid teams that does front end and back end work. And what I mean by that front end work is a lot of the negotiating. It's a lot of the drafting Mm -hmm. of contracts, enterprise agreements, contractor engagements. So that's a drafting exercise Mm -hmm. and it's front end in the sense that it's very like commercial it also has the back end side of things which is the disputesy side of employment law so that's things like unfair dismissals it's Uh, things like redundancies it's things like sexual harassment Mm -hmm. so it covers a wide ambit of things yeah um so unfortunately i haven't um rotated through the employment team but that's my understanding of kind of what they do Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and what rotations have you had so far my first rotation was corporate, so that's that was M and A and oil and gas. So um, that was really cool. I really like the M and A side of things. Um, so I got to do um, two months just purely on due diligence for an IPO, yeah. and that was super super cool. Because you're learning things about like performance rights, you're reviewing board minutes, and it's just something that you know, as like a 24 year old, you just wouldn't ever come across or mm. you wouldn't get access to I don't know I mean I don't yeah. know about you but I don't sit yeah. on boards so yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was really cool to be able to do that my second rotation was finance and a lot of people say corporate and finance are kind of similar which I I didn't find personally I found yeah. finance completely different mm-hmm. um, finance was really cool because I guess a lot of the deals you deal with similar documents mm-hmm. um, because you know it's like a loan agreement and a security agreement yeah. but obviously the, the terms of the deal changes but it was really interesting because, you know, finance is basically just borrowing and lending money. Yeah. But it was it was because you deal with so many like, deals, I guess. They're a lot smaller than corporate deals. Like mm-hmm. an IPO would take months, whereas a finance deal, especially like a property finance deal, could be over within two months. Yeah. And so I felt like I got to see a lot of transactions happen. And for me, it was just, it was a really great way to get exposure to how like banks manage risk for borrowers. Mm. Yeah. So like the commerciality of that was really interesting. Um, and I'm currently in my third rotation in disputes, yeah. um, which has been super fun. It's like really varied, you know, I've worked on advice for like local government mm-hmm. um, and also done stuff to do with like ASIC investigations, um, done like just a lot of like random contract advice work, yeah. which is really interesting. So it's, yeah, it's super varied. So yeah, it's been yeah. good. So you do these rotations when you're in the graduate program, right? And mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier that this will be your last year as a graduate at Herbert Smith Freehills. It's my last rotation. Last rotation. Yes. Okay. So with all these different streams at Herbert Smith Freehills, do you get to choose which uh, which rotation you want to be in or mm. do they just place you in randomly? Mm. So if you're, if you're wanting to do commercial law, most of the top tier firms have this rotation program. Yeah. And... Most firms will ask you for your preferences when you initially start. So mm-hmm. before you start as a grad, they'll be like, all right, you know, HR will say to me, all right, Cash, you know, you're going to start in a month. What would you like to preference as teams that you like to rotate? Mm-hmm. So I, pre- I preference corporate first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I finished my corporate rotation, HR was like, again, all right, Cash, what would you like to do for your second rotation? And I said, oh, yeah, I want to do finance, did finance. And then for my third, I did disputes. 
And that's because most firms tend to have the requirement that you need to do one front-end team. So mm-hmm. that's like a transactional team and a back-end rotation. So that's disputes or employment. Um, so out of the three, you usually get at least two transactional or two yep. disputes and then one disputes or you know yep. one transactional. Yeah. So after you finish this rotation, do you move into a, I guess, a full-time position in one stream? That's correct. So like after the, so in September, HR will essentially be like, you know, cash, you've done three rotations, you've tried these different areas of law. What do you see yourself kind of doing? Would you like to officially settle? Mm -hmm. So it's called the settling settling process. And that kind of governs, like where you settle kind of governs the type of lawyer that you're going to be. Some people you know, realize maybe six months in or I kind of wish I was doing something else and it can change, but it's very unlikely. That kind of governs like what you're going to be doing as a career if you stay in law. So you have to make a decision by the end of this year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so out of all three that you've done or uh, all three rotations that you've been in, um, which one is your favorite (laughs) one so far? Uh, That's, yeah, that's a good question. It's, it's so hard to pick. Like I, I think I really liked all three of my rotations for very different reasons. And I think especially long-term wise, if I'm thinking career, there's pros and cons in each three. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you for an example, like corporate, um, you know, as an M&A lawyer, you're dealing a lot with listing rules and corporate governance mm-hmm. and the Corporations Act. And so if you ever wanted to kind of sit on boards, your understanding of that would be really valuable. Yeah. Whereas in disputes, if, you know, you've, you've done five years as a disputes lawyer and you want to go in-house into a company, disputes gives you really good knowledge about managing risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and being part of the C-suite is a lot about sort of being able to manage risk and um, understand the different avenues that your, yeah, you know, your decisions could take. And I think yeah. disputes is quite um, varied for that. Um, and finance is also really interesting because, you know, finance is, is probably the practice area that's most transferable internationally because yeah. um, it's it's very much just about the, the party's terms. Like it's mm-hmm. not very jurisdictional based. And so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, You've got a while to choose anyway. Um, I've got till, yeah, September. So soon, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's so hard. I think I'm probably going to just catch up with a few people from work people that I really bonded with people that I really trust and just kind of get their advice about why they settled in their respective teams Mm -hmm. um and then go from there yeah yeah so as a lawyer yeah are there many opportunities to travel I think it really depends on one which firm you're at yeah and second what your practice area is um so for example if you're in oil and gas a lot of oil and gas companies have are headquartered in like America. Yeah. Um, and so if you are a specialist in oil and gas, the clients might really want you to fly over to America. So yeah. the partner I worked for um, in corporate, he, he was saying, you know, prior to COVID, I was flying to Houston every other year. Yeah. Um, and that was really cool. Whereas other, other practice areas might not, like for example, real estate, yeah. like the property law area it's quite jurisdictional based. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, the property law in WA is completely different to the property law in like New South Wales. And yeah. so for you to travel, then there needs to be a much better reason. Yeah. Um, and then it also depends on which firm you're at. So if you're in an international firm, that's really not just financially integrated, but also quite sort of 
integrate it in at a business level. Mm -hmm. So, example, there's no real like division, division between teams. Yeah. Then I think there is more scope to travel internationally. Yeah. Whereas if you're at kind of like a national firm or a, a small firm that doesn't have an office overseas, then the mm. chances of you traveling internationally might be a little bit harder. Yeah. So it really depends on which firm and which practice area you're in. Mm. Yeah. And, and just touching on what you said earlier about how in different areas, different countries that have different mm. laws there, right? Mm. So what are the actual difficulties if, say, as a graduate, if they ask you to go to another country and it's a completely different set of laws that you have to abide by what, mm. what happens then what's the process like yeah it, it can be quite hard because you might have to upskill a lot in this new area of law generally speaking if you were going to move over permanently then you'd have to look into potentially being like a foreign qualified lawyer uh, uh, how do you become a foreign so qualified lawyer? I, i'm not quite sure what it's like in other countries but for example people from let's say you know the uk or other jurisdictions that come over to australia mm -hmm. they've got to kind of do a bridging course in australian law which is basically those 11 subjects that mm -hmm. i talked about earlier yeah and then they can kind of then they can have an australian practicing certificate uh, yeah, yeah so i'd assume it's kind of similar in other yeah, countries i'm not 100 percent sure but some people some lawyers get by and that's because you know they'll do the best they can but then the work ultimately gets settled or gets finalized by someone who's qualified in australian law yeah. so you know they might upskill a little bit and then do what they think is right based on Australian law and then ultimately goes to a partner or a senior mm -hmm. associate that's qualified in Australian law and then they look at the work and settle it and yeah. make any changes they see fit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So do you think you'll be moving anytime soon? Not yeah. with just work, but do you think you'd want to move to a different country just to work as a lawyer there? Or yeah. would you rather stick in WA Perth? I would love to move. I don't know permanently though. It's and it's not because I don't like Perth Western Australia. <laughs> I think it's it's a really great place to work, but I would just love to expand and get exposure more to like different industries. You know, my, my Western Australia is very mining resources based. Mm -hmm. I I'm quite interested in like the tech industry, so I'd love to go kind of over to Sydney or Singapore where it's more of a finance tech hub, like a fintech hub. Yeah. And also just to, to have the experience of working in a different office, I guess. So I'd love to to work internationally unfortunately with covid it means that the international secondment program which hsf usually offers might not be on offer so yep. usually after you do your three rotations and you figure out where you want to settle you have the opportunity to apply for an international secondment mm -hmm. so that's where herbert smith freehills they put you in a different office so we've had lawyers go to seoul tokyo singapore london wow for six months yeah. um, and work in the practice area that they want to settle in. And it's such a cool experience. Yeah, they just learn so much and get so much out of it. So that was kind of prior to COVID that that mm. opportunity was there. But I think now within COVID times, I might have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's It'll definitely, come. definitely on the cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with all the knowledge you learned in uni, were the schools applicable to the real world? Mm. Good question. I, I would say not really. And for, for, for a variety of reasons. The first being that it really depends on what area of law that you do. So mm -hmm. for commercial law specifically, law school gives you really good base knowledge, right? But all your assignments are individual based. It's for you to produce something that you've been working on for weeks. The emphasis is on the analysis and how much law you've looked at, how thorough you are with your research, 
And that's the type of things that get rewarded in law school. Mm-hmm. In commercial practice, your client will give you instructions on a Monday. They could very well want an answer on the Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They don't really care about how many cases you looked at, how well you researched it. They just want to know the answer and they want to know, make sure that it's right. Yeah. Um, and so your job then is to then present your research mm-hmm. in a way that someone can understand that's not a lawyer and also do it in a very sort of time-sensitive matter. So you've got to make judgment calls about what to look at, you know, how much time to spend on things, all that kind of stuff. And you're also working in teams, which you don't really get to do in law school. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I think, unfortunately, the skills don't translate quite nicely to practice. Yeah. But that being said, I don't think you could do any legal job without a law degree. Yeah. Like a law degree is just so fundamental in terms of those 11 subjects like having that base knowledge is so important. Yeah. Like law is just law. Law is quite complex. There's a lot of there's a lot of nuances. There's a lot of like exceptions to rules that, um, and there's also just general sort of I think intuition that you build up when you mm-hmm. go through that five years of law school of like what do you think the law could be in this area or like yeah. what's generally speaking, what courts would say. And I think having that experience, like going through that study, is really important. So um, yeah, I would definitely recommend a law degree. Um, but I would say definitely, yeah, there's definitely a lot more to learn once you actually get on the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you say you were thrown in the deep end when you started work? Uh, I, think, I, think, I think doing clerkships helped because yep. I knew kind of what to expect. Um, and, and working in a legal environment definitely helped. But definitely it's just such a huge learning curve as a grad. You're, mm. you know, because especially when you, you're rotating, it's like you're working with people you've never met. You're working in an area of law that you've just like never dealt with. Mm-hmm. Your clients are people that you just don't hang out with on a week. Like, on a, you know, I wouldn't hang out with the CEO yeah. on a weekend. But suddenly it's like that's who the client's for and that's like who you're drafting for. And, and yeah. so um, I think it helps to be a little bit older as well, a little bit more mature when you're doing law. But yeah, it's a, it's a huge it's a huge learning curve. I would definitely say it's it's definitely like being thrown in the deep end. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> so as an engineer, we yeah. have to do a like a like a certain amount of practical hours, practical experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, to graduate with our degree. Yeah. Is that the same thing with law? Do you have to do clerkships before you can graduate? No. So there's no actual practical requirement to graduation, unlike engineering. Um, with law, you can literally just do the law degree and graduate, and most people actually do that. But the practical experience, like clerkships, are what you need to do if you want a job in commercial law. Yeah. So each commercial law firm, definitely like the top six or the top 10 law firms, I would say, subscribe to this clerkship program where they offer three different clerkship intakes per year. And if you get a clerkship, then you're considered to be, you're considered for a graduate position. If you don't clerk at a firm, it's very unlikely that they'll look at sort of the market applicants for mm. a graduate position. So if you want a graduate position at a commercial law firm, definitely definitely consider clerkships. And that's definitely something that you should have on the agenda. But if you want to do sort of family law or, you know, all the other areas of law that we talked about, they don't necess- necessarily have a structured clerkship program or each firm's very different. So yeah. I think my advice would be to figure out kind of what law you want to do and then try and get practical experience as soon as you can. Not because you need it to graduate, but just because like, it's kind of the the most important step to, to getting a graduate position. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it's very competitive. It's super thing. competitive now. Unfortunately, like every single university now has a law school. Yeah. And there's no cap on how many law students 
they can take mm. but there's obviously just there's so little graduate positions out there mm-hmm. in my experience if you get sort of decent grades and when i say decent i'm talking about you know at least a 70 yeah. average if you get decent grades you do extracurriculars you know you can kind of show that you've applied yourself then most yeah. people that do that tend to be okay and find a graduate position even if it's not at a top to commercial law firm it's you know at a boutique firm or at least another law firm mm-hmm. but if you know if you kind of don't have the best grades or you kind of are really chilled throughout university then it might be a little bit harder for you yeah. to get a graduate position position it's not impossible but definitely just based on how saturated the market is yeah yeah it definitely definitely can be quite yeah, hard he's pushing out more students <laughs> yeah. a lot of them as well so many of them uh, yeah <laughs> So you talked about extracurriculars earlier. Mm. What type of extracurriculars did you do in uni? Yeah, so I tried to do a few. Unfortunately, a lot of them were quite law-related. But um, as I said, I was really involved in mooting. So mooting is kind of like a mock dispute. Yeah. So you get given a fake scenario and then you have to research and write submissions and then present them orally in a team mm-hmm. so that was really cool i got to go to london for that and oh you Melbourne. went to london for it yeah yeah so, uh was this a, a something to do with murdoch yeah so yeah. it was with murdoch so it was like the maritime law mood so it's based mm-hmm. on a maritime law dispute and basically what happened in this fake scenario is that you've got the person that owns the ship and you've got the person that wants to hire the ship to carry its goods from point a to point b mm-hmm. There was a delay because there was a military crew at one of the ports. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question before the courts, fake courts, um, was who was liable for that delay? Was it the person that hired the ship or was it the ship owner? Because the ship owner has responsibilities of picking which ports it could go to. Yeah. That's a very simplistic way of saying things. But yeah. that was really cool. I did a couple of that and then also got to go to Melbourne I ran a legal hackathon, so mm-hmm. I kind of got a grant from the university to do that. So that was me really trying to fill a gap within the university space in finding collab- like collaboration between software developers, lawyers, and also people within the commercial space, like mm-hmm. business space. So that was really cool. I also sat on the like governance board for mm-hmm. the university, so they try and have student representatives so that they can have a student voice. So that's kind of like similar to running yeah. for the guild. Yeah. Um, did that. Uh, and then I also was part of the Murdoch Student Law Society. Uh-huh. So I did a stint um, as a careers officer. Um, so yeah, I kind of like tried to do um, a few things. Yeah. yeah. So tell us more about this trip to London. So why did you have to go to London? So each moot is hosted by a university. Yeah. So the Maritime Law Moot for that year was hosted in London. So mm-hmm. it was hosted by the University of Exeter. Um, so that's, yeah, that's essentially why we flew to London. So each year it's hosted at different places. So one, I think after me was hosted in either like Brisbane, which Mm -hmm. is not as cool, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it's been hosted in Singapore. We've had, uh, teams from Murdoch fly to like Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. I think one team also flew, flew to Canada. Wow. So that's kind of the, the international moots, but then you can also do national moots where you travel to like Melbourne or Sydney. Mm -hmm. And all that kind of stuff. Or you can do like internal moots where you don't travel, but you know, you get the experience Mm. either way. So that was, yeah, that was super, super fun. One of the best things I ever did. I mean, it's definitely hard because when you do those things, there is an expectation that you give up a lot of your free time Mm. to dedicate yourself to this moot because university is putting so much resources into into this. Like you don't, 
like you don't just get put on a team and then yeah. chill out. It's like yeah. you get put on a team, you get coaches, you you produce draft submissions every day, like you're constantly wow. researching. And so it was definitely quite taxing, but it was like super fun and like going to London was just great. I've yeah. never traveled that far before. Wow. So that was, that was super cool. Sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> so how does a law student get to join a moods team yeah. and take part in these competitions? So I'm pretty sure the, the process is quite similar like most law schools. Usually you have to apply mm-hmm. for it. So um, when I applied for it in my third year and in my first and second year, I had done a lot of like smaller mooding competitions or advocacy mm-hmm. competitions. Um, so that kind of helped boost my resume to then yeah. get on an international routine. Uh, okay. uh, but it is quite competitive because everyone wants to go and like travel yeah. and say they've done an international moot. So it is. It is. it can be quite competitive. I was quite lucky in the sense that there were quite a lot of like smaller moot competitions in yeah. my first and second year that were targeted at people who literally had no mooting experience. Mm-hmm. So like I was a terrible, terrible speaker, but just being able to kind of do those beginner, more junior mooting mm-hmm. competitions like really helped boost my resume to then apply for an international moot. Uh-huh. And so, I'm pretty sure it's similar most other most other yeah, yeah. schools. Yeah. So it's like a competition to even get in in the first place. Yeah, right? I mean, they also look at like your grades and, yeah. you know, because they want to know that you've got good research skills mm. and they want to know that you've showed an interest in advocacy. Is there like an interview as well? There's, there is an interview process yeah. and they ask you, you know, like, do you understand the commitments? Um, <laughs> you know, for example, if you've got a bad grade in like constitutional law, yeah. they'll be like, you know, this isn't one of your best marks. Like, is there a reason for it? They'll ask you things like, how would you deal in a team? Because... Like, having four very argumentative law students <laughs> locked in a room together, not locked, but, like, in a room together for seven months, like, you know, it's a stressful environment, yeah. like, you've given up a lot of your social life, it's not the most conducive environment for <laughs> friendly behaviour, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to put it lightly, um, and so they'll ask, you know, how do you do well in a team, like, is there a time you're overstressed, like, what do you do when you're dealing with conflict, all that kind of stuff, yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's teams of four it ranges from like three to four to even okay. five yeah yeah and they only send one team though right. it, it or... depends on like the the law school budget for the year oh, okay yeah 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 oh wow sounds like fun what what other areas did you um so i did i said that was the maritime law one and then i also did the contract law moot so that was held in melbourne yeah um there's also a constitutional law moot there's um the biggest one is called jessa and that's like public international law yeah. um the second big big one that medoc does is the vish commercial mm-hmm. arbitration one so that's kind of that's based in europe mm-hmm. so that's super cool as well um constitutional law contract there's an animal law moot there's also the um admin law moot mm-hmm. so um that's kind of a lot of like administrative law judicial review yeah um so there's quite a few different moods it really depends on what your law school offers some law schools put a lot of money into the meeting program and therefore they've got quite a lot of moods on offer which is what Murdoch did um other other universities for example kind of spread out the budget in other areas like you know law review or um like exchange programs Mm. and so their mooting program might be a little bit more limited so i think if you're, if you're a high school student, definitely, if, in reading something that's of interest to you, I would definitely research that area in a law school before yeah, before yeah. signing up because, um, unfortunately, it's, it's just, like, really law school dependent. It depends on the law school, hey? Mm. Yeah. So, how did these, the, the MOODS program work? So, each uni sends a team mm. to one uni mm. and 
there's one case, the same case for everyone. Mm -hmm. And is everyone, does everyone have the same problem statement? So it's basically going to be like a repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. So you are right in the sense. So each team obviously works on the same problem. And most of the time, you know, your arguments tend to be quite similar to the other teams. Mm -hmm. And so the main differentiating factor or like what kind of wins teams. Yeah. um, Or, you know, teams that win. Not that I've ever won a move competition but this is what i think yeah. um is that one your research has to be really good and your submissions have to be really on point mm-hmm. but during the entire um oral mood so that's when you present your arguments um you kind of sit in a classroom and there's a panel of like judges or arbitrators mm-hmm. and throughout your oral arguments that you're presenting they can ask you questions to test your arguments and so it's you get marked based on one, your arguments, second, how well you present them, and also third, just how well you actually answer questions. Yeah. And so if you're someone that's done your research, you've practiced a lot, and you've got answers to kind of a lot of the questions that you think might judges might yeah. come up, um, then, you know, it's likely that you're going to do well compared to some of the other teams. Yeah. Um, and it's quite incredible. I mean, like we, like, we thought we had it hard, but we were competing against teams from, like, Sri Lanka and Indonesia and Hong Kong. Yeah. They don't even speak English with their first language, and yeah. they're like presenting all these oral competitions in yeah. English. So, yeah, it was it's super cool. Amazing. I mean, internationally, it's like a really cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and do the other teams get to sit in and watch one team get? No, so it's it's only the finals that like the, it's open to the public. Ah, yeah. Okay. So, for example, the maritime law route it was between the National University of Singapore and I think a Sydney University team. Yeah. Um, and the contract law route it was also Sydney University, and then I want to say University of Melbourne. Yeah. So that were in the finals. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool. Usually they get like j- like actual Supreme Court judges or sometimes even High Court judges to come mm. and judge the final. Wow. So it's like a big deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's but otherwise you kind of either too busy doing your own yeah. moots or prepping yeah. for your next moot. Yeah. Wait, so I'm a little confused because so there's still a finals, which means do they just pitch the same thing again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like the questions you get might be a bit different. Yeah. So um and based on on what the questions were, you might change your arguments a little bit or you might have to like reset this point a little bit more mm-hmm. kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but um, if you just think about debating, right? For example, you've got two teams debating on um, whether or not we should amend the constitution for to include something. Yeah. Um, They can present the same arguments over and over again, but if you have three different people on the bench, they might test your questions a little bit differently. Yeah. And each each um, judge, for example, would be interested in different things of your arguments. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of it's on how well you actually respond mm-hmm. to the questions. Yeah. Yeah. And well, you also you are also limited by time. So you've got yeah. to like deliver your arguments within like ten minutes or fifteen minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Cash, for this <laughs> rundown on what law is. Really do appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners who don't know much about uh, lawyers um, will find this really interesting and intriguing. No stress at all. This is super fun. Um, thanks for having me and all the best for this podcast.